Hey guys, Matt here. Just wanted to start the podcast off with a little promo commercial. We just dropped a live EP and we'd love for you guys to consider picking it up. Um, It's on iTunes and all digital media outlets that exist. It's called The Great Romance Live. It's from a concert we recorded a couple years back and we're so happy with how it turned out. So if you get a chance, go to iTunes, uh, stream it on Spotify, wherever there's a digital media outlet, look for The Great Romance Live. It's a six song live EP. We'd love for you to pick it up. Take a listen. Thanks for your support. Here's the podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Vollmer, The Great Romance Podcast. This is episode four, and I have a treat for you. Because of the lovely coronavirus and people being stuck inside, I went to visit my parents. So today's guest is the one and only, the warden. It's Randy Vollmer. Hello, Randy Vollmer. What do you say, son? This is Pop talking. Say hello to everyone else out there. And hello to everyone who's listening. Which might be two people, but we'll see how it is. (laughs) So we're going to go. My dad made me breakfast this morning, and uh, then he made everyone else's breakfast and is finally sitting down to eat. So if you hear crunching, it's okay. And let's first of all discuss um, this thing that you call bacon um, that looks, I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't look like bacon and they told me it's chicken bacon. That's correct. Your <clears throat> your mom started. Uh, her sister told her about this chicken bacon. Chicken bacon. You, I've heard of turkey bacon. I haven't heard of chicken bacon. You actually buy it in a box on the shelf. It's not even refrigerated until you open it up. And it looks kind of like uh, strips of cardboard. <laughs> and that's similar to the tape. No, it's fine. Like it's just not. It's not bacon bacon. Do you like it, or does mom make you eat it? I do at times what your mother wants, son. You know how that goes. We all know about that. We're going to get into it. By the way, Mom is sitting in the living room, and eventually we'll, we'll let her yell hi or something like that. Um, Mom just had knee surgery, and so she, her second knee surgery. That's correct. And uh, she's recovering. You know, last year in March, she had her left knee replaced, and then uh, in January of this year, she 10 months later, she did the right one, and she's having all opposite effects that she had on the first one so go figure and what it reminds me of is in the national lampoon's christmas vacation when his parents come in and they start to explain all the health issues that they're having and his mom goes clark look at this mole does that look bad to you and he's like mom you're touching it that's why so my parents are finally at the age where they describe all of their health issues in great detail and I wondered when it happened, and it happens now. So how old are you, Pop? We're both 70 years old. 70 except, years old. Except your old. mother is six weeks older than me. I married an older woman. You know that. And you like to point that out to her. <laughs> so apparently 70 is the age where it happens, and I say it in jest. Uh, we bust each other's chops a lot. So we're going to get down to it. Um, oh, I forgot to time how long this was going. Oh, we're good. So the first question I have for you Um, And in true podcast fashion, we're going to talk about anything. So wherever it goes is where it goes. But the first question I have is, so my love of music and singing comes from you. And my dad had me singing when I was four in church. Uh, I sang in a Southern gospel group with dad and my cousin and uncle and then another guy. Um, like when I was four and a half, five years old, right? 
Yeah, but not to correct you as I normally do. Hey, so. this is my podcast. <laughs> well, you're dad, so go ahead. But anyway, I've I've actually got you on uh, tape at uh, one and a half years old on the old tape recorder I used to have singing, and I would stay up till midnight playing the guitar and having you sing, and your mother would get on to me. And uh, that's where your music all really started, but you won't let me have anybody listen to that. And but could, you actually did start at five years old singing when we went right. to nursing homes. And could you explain to our listening audience what a tape is? <laughs> you know, the tape cassettes, I, I actually... They don't. That's they, the thing. <laughs> no, nobody knows what that is, and that's how I always sing music. And today... When I go around to sing at different churches, uh, most people don't have cassette players. By the way, that was my mom in the background going, sang, because mom also likes to correct both of us. It's There's going to be a lot of talking over people in this. It's like a Roseman family reunion. We're all going to talk over each other. And then the Vomers hit each other in the arm. That's right. <laughs> so if you hear a smack, it's us hitting each other. So tapes is what we started singing with. Tape right? cassettes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and they're these little little things, and you'd they'd rewind and fast forward, and they had a ribbon of, anyway. So that's what we started singing at. But my dad's love, my dad loves country music. And what I tell people, and you can elaborate on this, is real country music, not pop country music like today. So who were artists that you listened to and that you loved, like when you were growing up, who did you listen to? Well, most most of the majority of the songs was uh, country music. Even though me and my sister, who was raised by my grandparents in early years, had a radio when we would come home from school, and we would listen to rock and roll music. Of course, you know my favorite was "Thank You, Thank You Very Much," Elvis Presley. He's an Elvis fan. Uh, but when it came to country, there was Johnny Cash mm-hmm. and uh, people like uh, George Jones was one George of my favorites. George Jones, who was Whispering Bill, somebody uh, who was well, that? Bill. I used to bug my mother, and I'd do an impression of him, as you know, and I'd say, "Hello, Bernice." This is Bill Anderson talking to you. And he talked like that, but Bill Anderson was... Whispering Bill Anderson? Yeah, he sang a song called, Still, Though You Broke My Heart. Somebody might remember that. You didn't know you were getting impressions today, (laughs) did you? Um, So, yes, and I remember... uh, Well, I always joked, because we went when I was little to Twitty City... Conway? Uh, Conway Twitty. Did you like Conway's music? Yeah, Conway was all right. He, He sang with Loretta Lynn. Yes. Yes. That was a big team, and and one time we used to take our vacations, and we usually headed for Nashville, Tennessee. This is a good story. Tell this. This is good. This is a where we usually we ended up in Con, uh, Twitty City, mm-hmm. where where he lived with all of his children. And uh, uh, my dream was, of course, to always uh, get you recorded. And we went to uh, Barbara Mandrell had a recording <laughs> studio, and I've got that tape downstairs where uh, me and you went in a booth and sang two songs, and you won't share that with anybody. But I kept constantly trying to share you with uh, uh, country music. Right. In fact, as you got older and came home from college, uh, there was a contest going on in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. We drove down there, and I talked you into singing a country mm-hmm. version song. Yeah. And if you would have sang the anchor holds, you might have won that contest. But so my music career is a failure because of you. <laughs> <laughs> I misdirected you at that, an early age. And that is a joke because I wouldn't be singing if it wasn't for you. So let's correct that. And when you said Barbara Mandrell, where I immediately went to uh, is you guys had a Barbara Mandrell record. And I do believe I was four, and we lived on the old house over by Grandma. The Moodoo house, we, you call we, it. Yes, because it <laughs> smelled like mildew. And um, 
And she had an album called Sleepin' Single in a Double Bed, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't have been listening to as a four-year-old, but I do But I do remember that. Um, the other story I was going to have you tell is when we went on vacation with uh, Grandma Shirley, which was mom's, gra- uh, mom's mom, and we met uh, Dolly Parton's grandpa. Do you want to tell? Yes, uh, there used to be a, the weekend paper we used to get. There was a parade magazine, and I read in there one day, that they said if you came down through Seaverville, uh, close to Nashville, Tennessee, that's where Dolly Parton grew up. And if you could come by the church, which she grew up singing in, uh, he lived, the grandpa lived in a trailer next door to the house. And as we drove through there, um, uh, Virginia's dad had just passed away uh, a couple months before that. We took Virginia's mom with us on vacation, and uh, she wanted uh, to meet him. And so I went up and knocked on a screen door on a mobile home, and uh, her grandpa came out and got to talking to us. And I took pictures of Mrs. Roseman, uh, her mother, and uh, him. And he shared with us some wonderful stories saying, you know, Dolly... Uh, doesn't always sing the right songs, and he must have tried to correct her too. But you know, Dolly turned out pretty good with all her music and everything. And I believe there's some Christian seeds that are sowed in her life, and that's that's the great thing. But he, he was very honest. I but he was that. very direct and honest with us. <laughs> he right? just kind of laid it out there. He's like, well, you know, Dolly may not be living the way she's supposed to be living, but she she knows the truth. Yeah. Uh, and I so I remember that. So country music, which then I think led into southern gospel music which is which is country in nature and so uh that's the songs that we sang i sang mostly as a kid were southern gospel so like yes uh quartet what what were your favorite southern gospel artists well the cathedrals oh yeah uh, is something you you actually dreamed that you would grow up and sing with the cathedrals I did. and uh then I think uh, with all the Southern groups, we used to go to Southern groups. And as you know, one time we even uh, went and sang at a revival, revivals churches used to have. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the church doesn't want to be revived today, but uh, they used to have revivals. And watch we, out because he'll start preaching. Watch it. And we, were, and we were a singing group, and uh, everybody in the St. Louis area had uh, vinyl records, albums is what they <laughs> sold. And we were the only group of five groups that didn't have nothing. Yeah, and merch. so and so one night uh, we went and uh, we drew the biggest praise and got the least money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which no basically backing. is the story of our life and the title of my dad's new book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drew the greatest praise and made the least amount of money. Um, so uh, Cathedral Quartet, and then I went to Oakland City University where two of the guys in the cathedral, Ernie Haas, and Scott Fowler went to school there. Yes. So I think that's what I thought I was going to do. And then God just, you know, God has a different path. But I'd say this, like, you know, what you always encouraged me to do is follow my path. So whatever that was, was to follow it. Because, you know, the great romance that, I mean, this is our podcast. Clearly we're a band. And I think that when I started playing that kind of music, I think mom immediately was like, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's my son and I love whatever. And not that you didn't, but you probably had a harder time with the transition of me going from like Southern gospel four-part harmony to rock and roll guitars and drums. Is that fair or did I just put words in your mouth? I, th- I think it's great, but, uh, you know, I always was proud of whatever direction you that's went. True. I can remember when you were in junior high school, you almost changed no singing at all. We mm-hmm. were we were singing. Uh, we would go to a place that had fish dinners, and we went and sang for our, our dinner uh, for a couple hours at a place in called Meadowbrook, Illinois. 
And uh, while we were in there, the music teacher for Coolidge Junior High showed up. We will not say names because he might be listening. Yes, but he, <laughs> he showed up and listened, and he, he bragged, and he says, I would love to have this boy sing in our, our uh, uh, choir at, um, the, at, middle school, school. at the middle school. Yeah. And uh, he worked on it, worked on it, until finally he, he cornered you to coming in there. But I think sometimes older people require, like I sometimes have done, require a lot more out of our youth, and we don't let it work out. And so you almost quit saying it. And we're pushy sometimes. Just sometimes pushy. <laughs> and then, Matt, well, I can remember one night, uh, Four Hymns, I believe, was the group. Mm-hmm. And to, Four me, yep. to me, that changed your whole direction and the kind of music you were listening to. And I looked over at you that night when I was sitting there, and you were just enjoying music more than I'd ever seen you. And I think that puts you in the direction of uh, the type of music Yeah, like contemporary. Today. Because, if you remember, it was at the Westport Playhouse in St. Louis. Yes. And the stage spun. Yes. Not, like, super fast, but slowly. And at the end, they and they were a singing group, but it was contemporary music. Yes. And the power went out. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> and so the last song, which was their big hit, they... They sang a cappella, and I remember just being like, whoa. And so I started doing that. But let's back up for a second. I also stopped singing because I thought I was going to be a basketball player in the NBA. Yes. Now, let's be honest. I was okay. But I was 115 pounds. About six foot. F- yeah, almost six foot, 5'11", 5'11 and a half. And... Uh, I just wasn't that great. Like I was, I was okay, um, but I had these delusions of grandeur of being in the NBA. And like you know, you again, whatever I did, you encouraged me. I couldn't make the high school team. Well, in fact, we went out and had to buy all the different uh, NBA basketball players' jerseys. Oh, I had a And you started wearing nothing but sports clothes. Mom said... Uh, Which what? was not attractive on me because I was scrawny. Um, no wonder I didn't date much in high school. So then I even went to Illinois State basketball camp because yeah. you knew the coach at the time. You taught him at Sunday school, Kevin, right? Kevin, Kevin Stallings, Stallings was yeah. in my Sunday school class, yeah. and today he's a big college yeah. coach. Who was he with? Well, he, he went through Purdue, yes. and he was big at... Was it, uh, did he go to Kansas eventually? Uh, yeah, Kansas. He was an assistant coach, I think, at Kansas. Okay. But he was, he's big time. He, yeah. he he eventually went down to Tennessee. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And he has yes. moved someplace different because I saw him on TV last year. Uh-huh. But but I went to his basketball camp, and uh, me and do, my cousin Joel. He didn't yeah. do anything special for you, nah. except it was a big treat for you and your cousin to the, go. The one thing I remember was... Uh, I missed a left-handed layup as he as the guy blew the whistle. It might have been him, and I missed the left-handed layup. And if you missed a layup, you had to run to the top of Illinois State's uh, stadium. So I missed it, but I thought the whistle blew, so I'd get away with it. And I started to walk away, and whoever it was turned and said, "Hey, what do you think you're doing?" I was like, "Well, the whistle blew." He's like, "Get to running," and I had to run to the top of the stadium. I didn't like that part. Um, so I thought I was going to play basketball. That didn't work out. And then I went away to college, Oakland City University, and I remember calling you, and I was going to try to walk on and play basketball. And uh, this was like the first, like you always supported me. So don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying, but you were honest with me, and I said, Dad. I want to try to walk on. I think I can play basketball. It's Indiana where everyone could shoot three-pointers, uh, whether you were fat, skinny, tall, whatever. didn't matter. And these guys were huge. I mean, they were just 
The average lineup was ten foot, six foot ten. <laughs> yeah, six foot ten. I mean, everybody was bigger than me, two hundred some pounds. And so I go, but there's also a Southern Gospel group tryouts. And I remember you said, "You're like, son, I love you. I'll support whatever you do. You are clearly more talented in vocals, and I believe you have a better shot at doing something with that." I would try out for the Southern Gospel group. And at the time, and let this be a lesson to parents, at the time it hurt my feelings, but it was the right thing to say. And I went out with the Southern Gospel group. I made it. I was in that for three years. I didn't do my senior year because I got, senior year I didn't do because I got overwhelmed with just college and life and everything. And then I came back home and started the band a year or two after that. If it wasn't for the Southern Gospel group, I wouldn't be playing music today. 19 years later so there would be no great romance should i remind you that when you came back i had to buy an entire pa system for you um you said dad i think yeah i, need, I do uh, remember a little that. bit of money I, it was like two thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> yeah i bought microphones and stands and i remember we bought speakers but the monitors we had were the floor wedges and those were heavy so i got three because i got one as a monitor and two as speakers uh, and and Daddy paid for all of that. Um, so you supported me, but if it wasn't for you being honest, is what I'm saying. If it wasn't for you being honest in love, which let's transition spiritually for a second, is just like Jesus. So I get frustrated when people go to church and they're like, I don't want to go to that church because when I walk away, my feelings get hurt, or I feel like somebody stepped on my toes, or I feel like they told me what I'm doing wrong. That's the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is like a dad. God is like a dad. He loves us, and he chastises those who he loves. And that's what you had to do in my life many times, right? I think at this time, you know, we interject Bible scripture. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And mm-hmm. in this case, it sets you in the right direction of what you sh- yeah. God planned you to be doing, what you're doing today. And your job as a parent to parent me because, you know, I'm a youth pastor now. And right now, with the coronavirus thing, we can't meet for youth. And so the job of the church is to encourage and is to disciple. And that's what we do. That's what we try to do. But right now, our kids aren't getting that. So it's the job of the parent to check in on the spiritual well-being of their children and say, son, daughter, are you praying enough? Are you reading your Bible? I think in this day and age, there's still a lot of parents who just want to be their kid's friend. And I've even heard parents say, well, what am I supposed to do? Tell them they can't do that? Yes, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. And you were never afraid to tell me I couldn't do something or I could do something. And I tell people all the time, I was a pretty good kid. Like, you didn't have to really worry through high school what I was doing, and I remember calling home. It was a Sunday night, and I was with church people. I had a curfew, just like everybody else, because Monday was school. And I called home, because you told me I, just, I always had to call. And I said, hey, can I stay out an hour later? And you said, no. And you said, come home. And I, I'm thinking in my head, but I'm the good one. Like, I'm the one who never gets in trouble. It didn't have anything to do with that. And years later, I learned... Well, maybe I was, but you didn't necessarily know what everybody else was doing around me. And sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with that. And sometimes children and teens who are listening, mom and dad just know best. And we have to trust that. 
but I don't believe you understand it until years later. Were you like that with your mom and dad? Like, were there things that they did, and you're like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. My parents are the worst. And then, like, years down the line, you were like, oh, that's why they did it? I mean, did that happen with you? Well, a lot of that was different, Matt. As you know, I did not come from a Christian home. And uh, the way I treated my parents was entirely opposite of what you treated me. I mean, I tried to instill in you what I should have done for my parents. Mm. At this time, I would just say, in this day and age, uh, take the Bible out and read uh, Matthew 24. And part of that in there says that in the last days that children will be against their parents and, and there'll be just uh, disciplinary problems and stuff because of the lack of respect. So I would say to the youth, you know, learn to love your parents and start all over again, even if you start today, because it's never too late. It's right. a it's a restarting. And and yes, you had your moments of, of incorrection. You weren't, oh, yeah. you weren't the perfect child. In fact, uh, nope. Virginia would tell you that when you were very little, we uh, they called you Tasmanian Devil. Do you remember uh, that? I do we, remember we, that. We, we, we finally got you out of that name. And so as you got past the terrible twos, mm-hmm. uh, you began to grow up. But uh, in all respect, Matt, you know that uh, you and I, I built, a, I built a close relationship with father and son because I did not have that with my dad, mm-hmm. even though years later, after I became saved and, and called in the ministry, uh, when I was ordained, the first two people I baptized was my mom and dad both got saved. Right. And what a treat it was to see that whole generation turn around. Yeah. But yeah, it's never too late. But yeah, you're experiencing the things that every generation will will treat mm-hmm. and we just can't say let them sow their oats they'll get over it as they're sowing the oats teach him how to cultivate yeah. how to water and do the thing but see you just said it so so people i think don't understand you were not raised in a christian home um but did accept jesus uh in your 20s 26 years old 26 years old and i I'll, this is his testimony but uh at uh, church that had a movie ministry that night called The Burning Hell, right? Yeah. And say what you always say to me about it was man's interpretation of hell, and what did you say when you saw it? All I know, Matthew, is back in those days, the big problem was churches didn't want you to have movies in the in the church, but that was a great ministry. <laughs> That's on the air, Virginia. <laughs> My mom's trying to get me back on track. But anyway, I saw an old black and white movie called The Burning Hell. And nobody came to give me scripture. Nobody tried to talk to me. But as I sat there, that was man's depict of what hell would look like. And I said to God that night, I said, October 28, 1975, I said, if this is what hell looks like, God saved me from going to hell. And guess what? He did. Yeah, because I don't want to go there. And so... That has always reminded me that God uses different things. So movie ministry, music, different kinds of music. Uh, Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, (laughs) eight tracks, 45 records. (laughs) Um, So then you were called into the ministry to be a preacher at how old? I was uh, 39. 39. And let let me also say this before we get too far. Uh, So my dad was a banker. Um, 41 years. 41 years. 41 years in the banking business. Um, And so he got, he announced his calling to be a pastor later in life. So, like, when he did that, 39 years old, I didn't become a youth pastor until 40. And so, you know, you're, you're never too old. Listen to God's calling. But that night, we were at another revival. And the pastor said something about a calling and it was like he called all of us and i and we and we all like kind of looked at each other 
and then you became a pastor. And how long did you? I mean, you're still you're still preaching at a church, but how how long have you pastored? Then, well, I guess since thirty nine. Well, right? at, no, see, at that time when I was ordained, uh, Matt, uh, we had went to a revival, another one of those revivals mm-hmm. down in Peebley, Missouri, and a, a Johnny Carver from uh, Tennessee was preaching. And that night, he just kept preaching. When he came back, I looked in his eyes, and they were just kind of directing, bugging at me. And he said, there's somebody that needs to do something here. I looked at you to my right and looked at Virginia to my left, and it's like all three of us got up at one time. And we went down to the altar. I accepted the call in the ministry, and the pastor said, we've been in revival for a week. If you really believe you, God's calling you to be a minister, an evangelist, mm-hmm. uh, we want you to come back next week. And I preached a revival a week after I oh, wow. announced that calling. And uh, that, that weekend, uh, somebody got saved, and so I just felt that that was where my direction should go. I didn't start pastoring until 1990. Okay. We How le- old were you then? We left, uh, let's see, 1990 would have put me at about, um, I was born 49, 50, 50, almost 40. I just wanted to have him do math because he's a banker and used to like always love math, and that's where my love of math comes. Go ahead. So well, we, left, we, left, we, left, we left the church uh, for, for 10 years uh, where I'd, uh, there have been some problems in the church. There's a lot of churches You stopped being problems. a pastor. I, no, I wasn't pastoring. I, we were going to church, and uh, Reverend Rudolph Hickerson, who was a okay. pastor there, had left. Uh, and uh, they had what they called splits in the church. I know churches don't believe they're splits, but they're, you know, the Bible says, uh, "United we stand." If a house is divided, uh, it will fall. So church stay together. I told you he's going to preach, so watch out. <laughs> and so uh, we left. Ten years later, I got a call, and uh, the minister called me and said, uh, "This is how I, <laughs> I accepted it." The minister who was leaving said, "I'm on a pulpit committee, Randy, and they asked me to call you and see if you wanted to come and pastor the church. We were attending a missionary church. Remember, we started mm-hmm. a missionary church, and uh, they said uh, uh, they want me to ask you to come and and be the pastor here. And you don't want to do that, do you?" That was his introduction to me. I said, well, let me pray about Super it. Super positive. And I called, and I went back, and I pastored the church where I had left and got saved at for 10 years, mm-hmm. or for six and a half years, I believe. Six and a half years. Yeah. So, so pastoring's probably been about uh, close to 30. Yep. Okay, and right now you're pastoring a church. Now I'm pastoring a church the past five years at First Family Church in East Alton, Illinois. East Alton. For some reason, I always want to say Bethalto, and that's not accurate. It's close. Yeah, it is, it is close to that. So still pastoring, 70 years old. Um, and so, uh, been in, I mean, ministry's just been a part of our entire family. So, again, mom's not on the air, but, you know, mom has taught Sunday school, children's church, women's ministry, you name it. The only thing she hasn't done that most pastor's wives, they always say, have to do is play the piano. That's correct. Right. In, in fact, one Christmas uh, when we first got married, I bought her an electric organ, and she had a fit. I had to take it back wrapped in paper. And I'll she bet, never did play music. I'll bet she wanted clothes or makeup. One thing, Matthew, I would say about your mother, though, even though we joke, and we used to say, out of the three of us, only two of us can sing. And, <laughs> and the reason I say that, because I remember uh, you used to come down the basement with your oh, friend, and you'd man. hear your mother singing doing the wash, and you you figured out who was the singer. Mm-hmm. But one thing Mom always did, she was always behind us, and she prayed for us. She yeah, was our prayer warrior. That's true. And was always praying, like, in the middle of, like, when you were preaching or when I was singing, like, she was always doing that, so... We love oh, Mama. Oh, oh, Ma, your mother cr- critiqued me, but that's what I needed. You know, she'd help me out with what She says it's going. to keep us humble, but that's I right. would like a little less humility. Amen, yeah. Virginia? You got it, bud. That's her yelling in the background. All right, so uh, we covered kind of the ministry aspect and music and stuff like that. So 
Um, on this podcast, we always just talk random things, right? So if anyone knows our family, and this is the Vollmers, the the one thing that we love extremely is St. Louis Cardinal baseball. Oh, yes. So some might say obsessed with Cardinal baseball. Um, I started watching the Cardinals in the 80s. That was the team with, like, Whitey Herzog was the manager, Ozzie Smith, the greatest shortstop defensively of all time. Um, actually, you have a Cardinal shirt on right now. Absolutely. And so uh, when, like, did you grow up listening to the Cardinals on KMOX when you were in uh, Missouri, like even with your grandparents, or like, do you just always remember Cardinal baseball? When I was very little, living in the country with my parents, I had a transistor radio, nobody knows what those are, and I would fall asleep listening to the Cardinals, and Harry Carey was the announcer. Wait, can I do my Harry Carey? Yes, do Harry Carey. Hey, everybody, Harry Carey here, talking about the St. Louis Cardinals with my friend Randy Vollmer and Jack Buck. Go Cards! (laughs) That's great, man. That's my Will Ferrell as Harry Carey. Go ahead, sorry. So So it was Harry Carey and Jack Buck? Uh... At that time, yes, it would have been. All right. Yeah, that, so that goes back in the 50s. Man, that's like the best radio duo because Jack Buck was always like a classic. Yes. And then Harry Carey was like the color commentator, I guess, like the lighthearted. So the two of them, people just think Harry Carey and the Cubs. Yeah. They forget that he was with them. Oh, so what years. year was that, you said? So that would have been in the 50s. Okay, so in the 50s, listen to those guys on your transistor radio. Exactly. Uh, who were your favorite players then? Oh, well, naturally, you know, you got the Bob Gibsons. Oh, you man. got the Stan Musials. Uh, How my, many World Series did they win in the 50s? They didn't win any, anything in the uh, 50s. They didn't win it they, until the 60s when they won the most exciting time in my life because I graduated high school in 67. Yeah. But from 63, uh, uh, they almost won it. Stan yeah. Musials last year. And then in 64, uh-huh. they went and they won it. Who'd they beat? Uh, they beat the Yankees. <sighs> In Take fact, that, in fact I was listening to my transistor radio. I went to East St. Louis High School, and I <laughs> they, let, they let us bring our uh, transistor radios. And my stu- my last class was a study hall, and I would turn it on listening to. So it was a day game. When when Boyer hit the grand slam, that beat him one game. Kenny Boyer. That's some good. Oh memory. man. And then you had Bill White and Dick Grote. And one one time the Cardinals. I've got a. Uh, I believe a cardinal, uh, a book, magazine that showed uh, one year, the only time it's ever happened, that the starting infield, all four cardinals were, were all players were cardinals. Who, who would that have been? Well, it would remember? have been, it would have been Kenny Boyer at third, and, okay. and Bill White at first, and Dick Rode at shortstop, and Julian Javier. I mean, oh, Julian. Ga- <laughs> Julian Javier at, at second. second. Oh yeah. my gosh, so that's man. Some, yeah. And then when the 80s happened, so the 70s, they weren't good at all, were no, they? No, terrible. And then in the 80s, 82, they won the World Series, but I was five. I would have been five years old, so yeah. I, don't, I don't really remember that. I remember 85 and 87. I remember, uh, was 85 when Ozzy hit the left-handed home run? Go crazy, folks. I believe it was. Yes, against the Dodgers, because 87 was against the Giants. Yeah. And I remember us being on vacation somewhere and watching that happen. And the earthquake struck in San Francisco while we were watching on TV. Right? No, that was the Gi- that was the Giants against, the Giants? not against the Cardinals. That was the Giants against Oakland in the World oh, Series, 1989. Okay. Sorry, we're acting like you're not here and listening. I hope you're caring about what we're talking about. But baseball is, is our world. Part of the world. And then 87... Against the Giants, 
uh, and then they lost to the Minnesota Twins, which Cardinal fans will always say was because they played games in the Dome and they couldn't see. And in 85, it was the bad call at first base. Yes. So. And then when you went away to college, of course, you still followed the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was working at a bank, and I used to get opening day tickets. And all of a sudden, I never went because I sent you the tickets, and you and your and college I, friends I would come friends. down and went to the Well, games. and if you remember, in the early 90s, they stunk. Uh, and then in the mid-90s, like right when I got to college, that last year they weren't very good, but 96 they went back to the playoffs because Tony La Russa uh, became the manager. And then they weren't very good for a while till the 2000s, but we got to watch all the Mark McGuire stuff, and we yeah. watched a lot of that together. But here's, and, and we were, I was over there when he hit his 500th. And, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So. Because, and Tony Gwynn had a chance to get his 3,000th hit. We were both at that game. We were also there when Ken Griffey Jr. We was hoping that would he hit he was fa- It was Father's Day. I thought he hit his 500th when we were there. He Griffey. Did, he did. He, did he? Okay. That was Griffey it. did. But Gwynn did not get his 3,000th no. hit. Okay. So here's the one game we have to talk about. I know this is... We're, this is perfect on timing. This is and this is what I I wanted us to talk about. So the best game that my dad and I ever went to on vacation um, was was no 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 Randy oh, 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 okay, okay. oh man well that's a time that was a neat game the Cardinals came back from three yeah. <laughs> three down and we needed to go to vacation. That's I know it. what you're talking All about. All right, so my wife had tickets um, that she had got. Uh, for me, to Game 6 of the World Series, somebody had given them from our church to her and I. She had just become the children's minister, and they wanted them to go to this other church to talk with other ministry teams about their ministry. So she's like, I really feel I have to go to this. Why don't you take your dad to Game 6 World Series against the Texas Rangers? Some of you already know where we're going with this. So what's funny but not funny for Lindsay is she went to the thing she sat down with the children's minister she goes hey I can't stay too long I have tickets for the World Series tonight and Lindsay had given up her tickets and here's what happens at this game the Cardinals I think were down three or four times it's game six Texas is in control pretty much throughout the game ninth inning is the infamous David Freeze Hits a double, which I've seen debate that they think the outfielder should have caught it. We were going nuts. We didn't care. So they tie it up there. The very next inning, do you remember, Josh Hamilton hits a home run, and I've never heard a stadium go quiet like like it did. I mean, you literally could have heard a pin drop. So we're down again. They tie it again. Cardinals come back. It's tied. How many innings did that game go? Do you remember? 12 or 13? Yeah. yeah, 11. Right? And so in the final inning, David Freeze hits a walk-off home run to dead center. And I still have video. I found the video. I did. On my cell phone of Dad and I just screaming, rally towels in the air. At one point, Dad said, feel my heart. And his heart was beating so fast. I'm like, my dad's going to have a heart attack in this game. So and I hadn't yet. No, and you hadn't yet. That came later. That's foreshadowing. We can laugh about it now. So we're, we're euphoric. I mean, just like we're beside ourselves. It's the greatest game I have ever seen in person. You as well? Greatest game you've ever seen in person? Absolutely. In fact, I tried to tell the Texas fans behind us. Well, if you remember what you did, we're walking back to our cars, 
and my lovely father, by the way, we don't drink. Neither of us drink alcohol. And he jumps on a bus that's going back over to, to Illinois, and he takes his rally towel. Do you remember what you said? You shook it in the air and went, remember the Alamo, remember the Alamo. And the bus driver goes, sir, get off the bus. And that's the like the best baseball memory I will ever have. Lindsay, like my wife Lindsay, has said, she's like, I am glad you got to go with your dad because that's like a father and son moment. Yeah. Well, well, you know what I mean? Like those come once in a lifetime. So our love of baseball we share, our love of sports, we still, uh, this is the last thing I'll say. So I have Sling TV or I had Sling TV and it has the Cardinal games on it and it's digital. And there's a delay in Sling TV. So dad and I text each other, okay, about games and like what's going on. I have told him religiously 17 times, hey, dad, wait a minute, a minute and a half before you text me. Yeah, absolutely, son. I'll tell you, he has spoiled so many games for me, but it's funny, and I think he does it on purpose. Um, he says no. he he says he doesn't. I think sometimes he does it just to tease me, but he'll still send me a text. So uh, this has been the podcast. Did you think this was as this went like you thought it would go, or no? I was just waiting for uh, exciting changes as you usually do. Like a bad question, or are no, you okay thought, with everything? Do you think I answered okay? I think you did. <laughs> I actually cannot believe how much time has went by. Um, so it's it's been a little over 30 minutes. I say I edit things, and I, I do. My first podcast, I did have to edit because it was like 45 minutes. So, But we'll see. I might keep all this in. So is there anything you'd like to say to the fine folks who are listening on the Great Romance podcast at the end here? No, I would just say uh, that uh, we're always proud of you. As you always said, that you know this is something, maybe a new direction you're taking because everybody has this going out mm-hmm. there. In the internet. And we're living in a time and age that people somehow need to laugh. Oh my gosh! Uh, I've always said if you the person laughs at themselves, um, the world laughs with you. And uh, the only problem is, is that one of these days the Lord's going to come back, and we don't want people laughing about missing it. Mm-hmm. So we would just encourage them to put the Lord first in whatever you did. And at this point in our life, we have tried to do this. Failures, yes, yes, and no. I think one time you were talking to some of your friends, and you said, "What I like about my dad is if my dad makes a mistake." He'll apologize yep. for it. Yep. And other young people your age said they never heard that no, coming from their parents. No, they didn't understand it. So I would just say be honest with each other and love each other because love is what changes the world. And Virginia sitting in the living room, is there anything you'd like to yell at us? Good podcast. Mom said good podcast. And if we have the stamp of approval from Virginia Palmer, then... That's it. And Go with it. That we'll, we'll end on that note. So uh, I'm Matt. This is my dad, Randy, who Hello. I love. He's Everybody my best bud. There. And uh, this has been the Great Romance Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.